This is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, number 37, and I'm Eric Render King Fisk. This time I share an interview that I had with John Gunnison of Adventure House, republisher of great pulps from the golden era. Mr. Gunnison and everything that he sells can be found at his website, adventurehouse.com. As always, we're brought to you by Penman Hats, bulldog tough fedoras made right here in the United States, penmanhats.com. We're also brought to you by Retro Agogo, the source for accessories, apparel, and home decor items that will get anyone noticed for their personal style and custom couture, and of course, the retro lifestyle. RetroAgogo.com. We're also brought to you by Zazzle, home of our own retro-centric products, where you can find coffee mugs and t-shirts with our own logo and slogans at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Once again, here is my interview with John Gunnison from Adventure House. John Gunnison with Adventure House. I'm a publisher of uh, Pulp Reprint Fiction as well as a uh, uh, purveyor of uh, original fiction. And your logo seems very familiar. I, uh, ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> great minds think alike. So tell me a little bit about your uh, your company. Well, I uh, started reprinting uh, and selling original Pulp Fiction in about 1980, so I've been around for quite a few years. Uh, enjoyed the uh, the product. Uh First became uh, interested uh, in the mid-60s with the Doc Savage reprints. Um, my favorite story is uh, that my mom actually saw me reading a Doc Savage uh, <clears throat> in the living room and said, uh, oh, I used to read that uh, when I was a little kid. I might actually still have some of those in my attic. And I had never seen an original pulp, so... Suffice it to say that my feet never touched the uh, stairs as I ran uh, up the stairs trying to uh, get into the attic and uh, even tearing apart the whole attic, alas, could not find a single uh, oh, single no. one. So that's okay. But uh, So I, I guess you could almost say it was genetic uh, as far yeah. as pulp and, and, and that material is concerned. Um, in high school, I loved uh, uh, one of my favorite um, – classes was uh, printing, yeah. where we would actually produce books, for, not only for the, the, the high school, but outside work. So, you know, Printer's Inc. sort of got into my blood, which allowed me to sort of fantasize about being my own publisher. Since I couldn't write a, a decent sentence, I figured I'd, I'd publish works of, of other authors. So uh, I started reprinting, paying rights uh, to those authors that I could find and, and the, the companies that still own the copyrights and in a lot of cases now since uh, so much of the material is in public domain yeah now i just deal with public domain material how hard was it to actually go to a publisher and say hey i want to republish your stuff what was that like the well, first you, time you know the the pulp industry or the uh, the current state of the uh, the pulp industry um outside of a few large conglomerates most of the copyrights are owned uh by collectors mm-hmm. um, and and people who are fans of the pulp magazines, all all of the uh, original Munzee magazines and the popular publications are all owned by a, a small group of people who all of them uh, are fans. Uh, Weird Tales is owned by uh, fans. Uh, Street and Smith is really the the largest company that's still owned by uh, a large conglomerate, um, which is Codney Nast. Uh, and dealing with them is impossible, so that's why you see so little Street and Smith material out. Uh, in fact, the most recent uh, Doc Savage and Shadow reprints 
only came about because someone attempted to hijack their copyrights. Mm-hmm. And so they figured, eh, you know, maybe we should start uh, allowing reprints of this stuff. Yeah, because if somebody wants to take the time to steal it, somebody might take the time to pay for well, it. Well, and, you know, for Condé Nast, they were worried about movie rights because the reprint rights weren't worth any money to them that they could care. But, you know, a couple million dollars in, in rights for a movie, that's, 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 a that's something completely different. Yeah. That's a lot of cabbage. <clears throat> that's right. a lot of cabbage. Now, um, I obviously love the pulps and the vintage stuff because it harkens back to a different period um, where the, just the attitudes towards life in general was much different. Sure. You also have uh, the Depression and World War II, and it's like it's just a great, amazing um, uh, a human story. Right. What about for you? What what draws you into um, pulps? I've always been a, a big history fan. Yeah. And I love being able to read uh, the magazines and thinking that, of course, these were never written in a vacuum. They were written uh, at a time where the authors would, in some cases, open up a newspaper and and see what's going on and and design a story. Almost like Law and Order uh, would be doing now. The pulp authors did it, obviously, on a weekly basis back then. Magazines like the Operator 5, I don't know if you're familiar with the Op, Op 5 magazines, um, they dealt with Secret Service and, and uh, um, uh, foreign entities uh, invading the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, their big uh, opus of, uh, of a series was called The Purple Invasion, in which some unknown or unnamed uh, Baltic or, or actually a Germanic uh, state was taking over the world uh, because this was written during uh, the rise of, of Hitler and Nazism. Yeah. And uh, it chronicles over 13 separate issues, the invasion of the United States through Canada and the, um, the fact that uh, the only reason the United States was supposedly easy pickings is because before World War II, you had um, the pacifist movement that yeah. was going on. And isolationism. And isolationism, right. And so the whole idea is... Uh, you know, the United States Army was, was at uh, an all-time low. The uh, military budgets were obviously very low. The, the, the you know, the armaments were, was, was nowhere yep. near like it was in, in, in Europe. So that was, uh, that again was a circumstance in which you had a series reflecting a certain viewpoint, although, you know, very fantastic in the respect of, of uh, you know, one country invading the United States and taking over almost the, the entire uh, United States. But uh, no, it was. It's fun reading that. Uh, that the science fiction magazines are completely different um, because of what they were trying to portray. You know, as a future society. Yep. But it's still being able to read them and 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 see that. Um, that they were still dealing in science fiction. Uh, the way that uh, uh, you know a spaceship didn't fly like it 
like we think of it now, yep. you know, they would have someone in an engine room, you know, okay, uh, let's uh, make a, a, a left-hand turn here, uh, put the left boosters on, you know, it's like uh, they had to go you know, speaking tubes and, and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. <clears throat> it was still, it, it's fun being able to see science fiction supposedly portraying our, our, our current. Yeah, exactly. But obviously from a viewpoint of the 30s, uh, so it's, it's, it's fun reading that material. Uh, the detective stories, though, outside of of being a little quaint at times or, or uh, a little out of date as far as the, the, the mode of transportation, yeah. they still very, very much reflect. It, it could, you know, it's the same stories then as, as they are yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, you might have a very gritty... Um, uh, Los Angeles, like a, a Raymond Chandler, Los Angeles, yes. or a Dashiell Hammett, San Francisco, or Frisco, uh, but it's still the stories are, are, are phenomenal. The characters are, you know, still still speak to you very well, uh, even after seventy, eighty years. The th- you are the third person today to bring up Dashiell Hammett. It's almost as if this is the unofficial um, Hammett fan club. Almost. Well, <laughs> Hammett Hammett was one of those few authors that. Realistically, almost everything he ever wrote, he wrote for the pulps, yeah. and then repackaged for other medium. Yeah. So, realistically, the, the pulps was you know his uh, you know his, his his bread and butter. A great testing in ground. the beginning, right? Yeah, and that's something that doesn't occur nowadays. Uh, you just don't have the magazine. Uh, you know, market like they the, the writers back then had, and and unfortunately, you you can't find too many uh, authors to, to interview anymore who, who lived through that period. No, I know. But I know. you know, I I talked to many of them over the last thirty years, uh, and yeah, you know, almost to a single uh, single one of them, they said, "Look, you know, even though what I wrote then wasn't all that great, I was learning a craft while I was doing it and getting paid for it." Yeah, but. But the thing is, is that what makes the writing so great is that it's it's so raw. Yeah, it is that is like, and and writers were willing to take a risk, and yeah. and as, uh, they were publishers were just so desperate for stories, they would say, "Hey, listen, just push it, push the limits." Sure, and you had authors who would uh, reach out into uh, genres that they just they shouldn't have been writing in, but they wanted to make a sale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, John D. McDonald. Everybody thinks of Travis McGee and and you know the, the the crime story, but you know he got to start writing you know science fiction, writing uh, stories for Doc Savage magazine yeah. and for startling stories and and uh, things like that. And, and people just they don't think about that. And you know when I talk to to uh, Mr. McGee, um, uh, Mr. McGee, Mr. McDonald, uh, before he passed away. Um, I, I said I really liked the stuff. He he really enjoyed it too. But he, when he finally did get around, I, I asked him to reprint some of his stuff, and he just didn't he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to spend the time because he hated the um, discussion or, or, or the, the, the descriptions I should say of the the, the cars in the forties and and the, the he wanted to update it. And even though I said, "Oh no, you can't no, do that," no, I mean, but that's what it, the good old stuff and more good old stuff, which he, which came out before he passed away, um, it was all the stories, some of his really great stories uh, that appeared in the pulps. But he updated all of it. Yeah, motion pictures. Are, are are you at all into the classic movies from that era? No, to be honest with you, I never, I never was. I mean, yes, I like watching them, 
but cinema, 40s cinema, not not my cup of tea. Okay. So you're not a big, huge fan of the, the Thin Man movies, then? Um, I'm a fan. I couldn't, you know, like so many of the others in this convention. Yeah. They, they could practically name the key grip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what was the name of the dog? You yeah. Know? <laughs> What was the director's wife's first name? You know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, is there a, a, an author that you felt as if um, was probably just as good or close to Raymond Chandler or Dashiell Hammett? That John K. Butler. Yeah. In fact, I reprinted uh, a series of Butler stories. Um, uh, it's it's uh, At the Stroke of Midnight is the name of the book, and it's uh, – the author uh, wrote a stories of, of um, a cabbie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was a cabbie in Los Angeles. Not quite the Chandler-esque Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but damn close. And John K. Butler um, was uh, made a big splash in the pulps and then got hired very quickly and moved to L.A. and Or not moved, but uh, uh, took up writing for L.A. and was, was long gone from the pulps. Mm-hmm. None of it, most of his stuff never made it into book form because he wasn't in the pulp field that long. Now, are, are, you're making an effort to change that, though. You're... I have reprinted a lot of material um, by both authors that are very known and a lot of, of, of you know unknown authors. Yeah. Uh, there are some authors who are that uh, series that I'm thinking of that, that probably wouldn't make um, much of a splash, uh, like William Dudley Pelly. I don't know if that name rings no, these a bell are all with new you. names to me. Uh, Pelly was uh, the leader of the uh, the Silver Shirts, which was the fastest movement in the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, he wrote pulp fiction uh, in the twenties. Uh, um, and his fiction is uh, some of it is pretty good, some of it is 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 pretty direct, uh, pretty much direct. But that's typical of any pulp. Author, uh, I'm also uh, beginning to uh, put together um, a book uh, of uh, stories from um, uh, Upton Sinclair, who wrote *The Jungle*, yep. uh, and uh, because he wrote for the pulps uh, for Argosy in the uh, uh, after the turn of the century. Yep. All that stuff is in the public domain, and I thought, you know, what the heck, give. Uh, Perhaps a, uh, a high school, yet another piece of uh, Upton Sinclair uh, stuff to, to, to make their, their students have to read. <laughs> do, you, do you feel as if that you're preserving uh, history? Um, yes, in some respects. Uh, personally, I love to see uh, people read, um, not necessarily just the stuff that I uh, reprint, obviously, but it just it saddens me when uh, the average the average American reads less than a book uh, a year now, um, and uh, I would love to be able to see more people read. Now I've got forty thousand books in my house. My kids are voracious readers. Yeah. In fact, they read a hell of a lot more than I do now. That's uh, great. Get a chance. That's great, though. Yeah, and I would love to see more people do that. Yeah, if you want people to make believe that you're smart, just tell them that you read a lot, and you're, you're amazed. I'm amazed at the. Well, you know, but if you walk around a room like a, a um, uh, this convention or a, a pulp convention, yeah. I also put together. Uh, I'm one of the two uh, uh, organizers of a show in Chicago called Windy City. Yep, pulp I have a flyer, and, and I hope you you don't mind. We're going to put that under the events section on our. Main oh, absolutely. Site. Um, 
but you walk into a show like that, this or uh, Pulp uh, Fest, or not, yeah, Pulp Fest in, in uh, Ohio, and you'd be surprised the people walking around. Yeah. Um, I can right off the top of my head, I can think of five authors, uh, several professional artists, editors. There's something about Pulp, no matter how dreadful at times it was. Yeah. It still elicits um, a certain charm that so many people really, really like. It's beyond nostalgia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It really is because I feel this connection. Um, I don't look at the, the 30s and the 40s and the 50s um, in quite the romantic way that people have accused me of. I mean, I love every aspect of it. I love the bad with the good because sure. the, the way that people overcame the bad. Yeah, I mean that. Those are the those are the best stories. I had a conversation. If I could just interject this for a minute, sure. I was at Starbucks, um, which is one of the best places to hang out just to get a vintage <laughs> vibe and some great coffee and free Wi-Fi if you can swing it. Um, this young woman ha- was asking me about the website, and um, and I explained it to her, and she said she hated history, and I was like, how can you hate history? How can you? I mean, that's where the best stories come from. We have a gentleman here who is a who is uh, into costuming, and uh, uh, we were. I think we were talking earlier about how the best stories that are that are being published today are are just rehashing of history. Oh, absolutely! I, you look at any of the popular culture movies that are going on now, all of their uh, plot lines, if not, uh, you know, it's it's all comes down right. from from historic. Uh, um, you know whether they go back to the pulps, but I mean, if you if you go in a direct line from the yeah. pulp magazines, uh, you have characters that made fifties and sixties popular culture TV, yeah. like Doctor Kildare, like Zorro. I mean, those are just you know Tarzan. All of these characters arrived, you know, from the pulp magazines and then yeah. spread later on. Uh, now, the Thin Man was never a pulp story, but I mean, you're still talking about. Uh, um, you know, the Hammett and Chandler material yeah. that uh, that that, and and you know, you 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 look at the Maltese Falcon, and if you ever get a a, a, a printout of the script, yeah, of the Maltese Falcon, you can practically go from page to page yes. from the pulp magazine to the script, and it's exactly the, the same. The Big Sleep, another yep. example is the you Big just, Sleep. You just turn the pages and you, you, you yeah. see the dialogue. You know it's the same stuff. Yeah. And scripts were thicker back then, with the exception of the ones with the big special effects, because the, the description of the effects is just right, right there in the script. But um, that's what I love about it, just the dialogue alone. Sure. And it's like, and it's like if you have half a brain, you could actually uh, hear what they're saying and in the context that they're saying it. And the one thing that I, like I said to the woman yesterday that we were talking to, I don't want to forget this thought. The reason why you don't like history is because you had a bad history teacher. Yeah. If, if, if you don't like your history class, he's doing it wrong. Right. He's making you look at a book. In fact, my son, who's with me here, um, he's a uh, ninth grader in, in the first year in high school. He loves history. Yeah. And wanted to take AP history. Mm-hmm. Uh but too many – let's not go there – but uh, too many things for him to do. But he loves history in the respect that it's the same way that I love history. Yeah. It's the fact that uh, um, you can learn not only a lot about yourself, but what happened yeah. in the past yeah. will probably happen yeah. again in the future, especially if, uh, uh, you know – <clears throat> well, you know, I, yeah. I don't want to necessarily go with wars and, and all that stuff, but right. uh, <clears throat> well, keep, just keep in mind this is the Fedora Chronicles. Is like anything that you want to say, 
I mean, you can put it out there. There's nobody's going to judge you. It's <laughs> like anything. It's like if you have if you have something you're passionate to say about like the, the schools or the AP history. I mean, feel free. Oh, I, I I was really really interested in seeing my son go into to AP. We have uh, at the high school now. I'm, I'm actually from the Washington D.C. area, yep. uh, Montgomery County, uh, Maryland. Um, the the teacher really wanted uh, my son to take the AP, but between uh, karate and uh, football and band and there's just too many things yeah. that. Uh, For people who aren't from the Washington D.C. area, what is AP? Uh, advanced placement. Advanced it's a coll- placement. It's okay. it's college. It's college level. It's college level. That's what that's what we called it. A ninth name. grader taking college level history. Wow. You know, and he's already taking eleventh grade math. So you know, for him to get into it was just it was just too much. But you know why he's doing college level stuff? It's because of the reading he does at home. And because he's passionate about yeah. it, sure, absolutely, absolutely. And um, in fact, uh, with a absolute houseful of pulp fiction, as well as other more modern yeah. fiction, um, when he first started really, really getting beyond the, the little chapbooks that he would read, uh, um, it's because I handed him a copy of um, uh, um, H. Ryder Haggard, mm-hmm. and. We actually caught him five o'clock in the morning in the bathroom yeah. reading it because he, he he fell asleep reading it. He couldn't <laughs> wait to wake up the next morning to to continue reading uh, King Solomon's Mines. Yeah, uh, and you know, and that's written at the turn of the century. Yeah, uh, not even this century, but <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and it still it still it still spoke to him. Yeah. And um, that, when we say turn of the century, when you and I mean turn of the century, yeah. we mean uh, 1899 to 1990. Right, yeah. 1900. Yeah. 19, yeah. 1900. Yeah. The thing is, is that, I'm, I'm, you know, reverse psychology, my mother said, had, had got these uh, um, reprints of the classics, and, she, and, and looking at them today, they're a little shabby, but she says, don't ever touch those books. If I ever see you touch those books, <laughs> there will be hell to pay. Yeah. So, of course, what was the first thing I did? Yeah. As soon as, like, if, I was like, I'm, pick, I'm, I'm reading Hemingway. And I said, oh, look, I'm a rebel. I'm reading Hemingway. Oh, I'm, I'm reading F. Scott Fitzgerald. Sure. I, in fact, I, when I was in sixth grade, I got in trouble because I actually brought um, Hornblower, which is C.S. Forrester. Yeah. And was reading uh, a book, uh, you know, Hornblower uh, in class along with Dr. No uh, and uh, several of the other stuff, that, like Rex Stout. Yep. Uh, you know, that was not – that wasn't the literature that they wanted me to read. They yeah. wanted me to, to read something a lot, a lot less adult. But you know, still, that was material that was sitting around the house, and that was what uh, what was so good, uh, good and cool about it. Yeah, and it's like they, I, there's some statistic that said that kids who have parents who read at home statistically almost always do better in school. Yeah. So I, it doesn't surprise me uh, that and. Um, making sure that the parents are a integral part yeah. of their school. Uh, both uh, my wife and I volunteer and spend a lot of time yeah. uh, at the schools. Yeah. Um, and that's really my wife is PTA president for three straight years uh, a number of years ago. But anyway, that's yeah. that's not 
Hey, Jermaine, necessarily to the subject, but I I, I do appreciate uh, what you're doing here. Yeah, the, I mean, the Fedora Chronicles is mostly about you know retrocentrics doing stuff, doing things, getting involved right. in the community. As a matter of fact, we have a section where it's is like I encourage people call your congressman, call your senator, get involved in the schools, get involved yeah. in the process. Yeah, well, in fact, uh, in uh, Montgomery County where I live, um, Montgomery County, Maryland, um, the um, Superintendent uh, just is, is retiring at the end of this year, uh, and he's really pushed reading and uh, math. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you're doing on-grade math or on-grade reading, you're behind mm-hmm. as far as as far as he was concerned and, 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 the, and the program. Um, God bless him. Well, yeah, in some respects, the teachers have problems with it because then they're starting to, uh, because of uh, standardized testing, not only from the county but the state, that they're suddenly teaching to the the test instead of teaching uh, the subject. But, you know, you always find those really good teachers who make it all come alive. Uh, In fact, um, uh, a course started uh, with uh, my middle son here, when in middle school, it was called lights, camera, literacy, where they would teach English through the medium of film. Uh-huh. And now uh, that course is uh, being taught year round. Uh, or for it was it was at the time when it first started, it was only a half a, or one semester's uh, course. Now it's it's a full school year, yep. and uh, my youngest son now is in is in lights camera literacy yep. and uh, just loves it. And they make films, they make you know stop motion animation films. Yep. Uh, honestly, I'd I'd love to be able to keep in touch with you and and perhaps you know visit you out in Chicago and and well uh, Chicago yeah come Washington. to Chicago yep. yeah I'm in D.C. but uh, my partner uh, lives in Chicago. Okay. Uh, that when we put on that show, uh, it's April, uh, mid, mid-April, in fact, uh, April 15, 16, 17, if I remember right off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, website. Obviously, you have websites. WindyCityPulpAndPaper.com. Okay. And now for Adventure House. AdventureHouse.com. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. What's uh, Right now, what's the, uh, the hot product that you're trying to uh, The Lone promote? Ranger. Oh, you have Lone Ranger stuff. Uh, I, I have uh, reprinted the, the second... Uh, of the Lone Ranger pulp. Uh, most people didn't know that there was ever a Lone Ranger pulp. Uh, the uh, company that produced Superman yep. uh, was a pulp publisher. And in fact, before even he did pulps, he did basically uh, smut magazines. Did not know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did what uh, we call girly pulps, uh, yeah. which was thinly veiled uh, smut. Yeah. And. Um, he had a pulp line. Um, the pulp line published stuff like um, Spicy Detectives and Spicy Mystery. Uh, he paid his, his authors well. They, they put out a really good magazine, but they really centered uh, sex was not a taboo for this particular publisher, where it was a huge taboo for right. so many other right. publishers. Um, and for a while, he thought it would be a great thing to uh, to publish the Lone Ranger. So he made an agreement with uh, the, the radio show uh, producers to produce uh, a series of of, um, of pulp magazines. So there's very few illustrations, like a typical pulp. It's mostly words. Yep. Uh, no authors listed, so you have to believe that it was uh, you know, the Lone Ranger writing his own uh, material. Um, yeah. And uh, that company never actually. Um, copyrighted any of their product. Um, 
I'm not quite certain why they, 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 they never copyrighted yeah. their stuff. Wow. So uh, the magazines themselves are exceedingly uh, expensive and difficult to come by, which is why I love reprinting some of the material because uh, if someone sits there and looks at a magazine and go, well, let's see, if I really want to read this, I'm going to have to spend $750 to buy this magazine, or I'll spend fourteen ninety five for the reprint. Yeah. And now, now, now you, you pay to buy the... the uh, I buy the original. Almost buy. everything is out of my own collection. And in this particular uh, instance, um, when I, I bought a coverless copy last year and thought, you know, this would... You know, I, I've got them, and I'm thinking, you know, th- I don't know why I haven't bothered going down to the Library of Congress and really check the, the copyrights on this. Yeah. Because I know the Lone Ranger is a, a trademark copyrighted yeah. character. But I'm not... I'm not altering the the story. I am not uh, changing anything. I'm reprinting exactly as it appeared, um, and there was no copyright. Yeah. So obviously, it was never renewed. So, you know, I'm I'm fine in that respect. But uh, the Lone Ranger is a, is a Western character, which is not so so much in vogue nowadays. Westerns just aren't that hot. But uh, Diamond uh, Comics, who's yeah. one of my distributors, uh, just ate it up, and so have a lot of people. It's there. reciprocal. It'll come back. Yeah. Interest will come back. How has modern technology helped you with your work? Oh, it's, it's totally re- uh, redefined the way I, 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 I publish. Yeah. Uh, I have a uh, 14 by 32 foot uh, enclosure built in, on my backyard, in my backyard. Uh, in which I have tons and tons of unsold product because when I dealt with a regular uh, web press printer, printing a thousand copies, their minimum number, um, when I first began selling 800 copies, not a problem. But then as um, as the market started to get a little bit more saturated, uh, then suddenly started selling, you know, 700, then 600, yeah. then 500. So suddenly I started having huge backlogs of, of unsold issues. And then uh, print-on-demand came about. The quality really sucked, so I didn't go there yeah. until the, they re, uh, refined it. Yeah. And now, um, you know, all I do is uh, tell the printer two copies of this, one copy of that, send it to this address. Five copies of this, three copies of that, send it to that address. That's great. And now uh, what I'm paying per issue is uh, for, uh, you know, print-on-demand is just slightly more than what I was having to pay for a 1,000 copies uh, of a web press. And I, I have a lot less uh, bulk sitting in, uh, in in my basement now. Yeah. Well, hey, now that you know that... Uh we have the Fedora Chronicles. Maybe we can help you unload some of your <laughs> your backlog stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. It is a privilege meeting you, and and uh, look forward to getting to know you. Well, and I certainly hope that you do come out to uh, Windy City at the, in Chicago. I think uh, it's it's a much larger convention than this. We'll yeah. have four hundred uh, four hundred and twenty uh, attendees over the weekend, and a room about. Well, we have a hundred and. 20 tables, they have 44. Yeah. So that gives you an idea that it's it, at least three times. But this is a very intimate affair. Times. This is a very... And, but so is Windy City. You'd yeah. be surprised. Plus we have a um, uh, movies. We, we, we show uh, vintage movies taken directly from Pulp Magazine, stories that were mm-hmm. originally in Pulps that they turned into movies. So we, there is vintage movies that, 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 that take place there. And uh, our claim to fame is we have a, a, a very large um, original Pulp art uh, uh, showing every year at the, at the convention, and so you know it's some phenomenal.
pulp art is uh, on display every year. That's great. That's great. Well, well, we hope to see you there. Good deal. Thank Thank you. you. A special thanks to Mr. Gunnison for taking the time to talk to me during the Pulp Adventure Con that was held in New Jersey earlier this year. Another special thanks to our host, Rich Harvey, for arranging this meeting and helping us with this and a few podcasts yet to come. Again, Mr. Gunnison's products can be found at AdventureHouse.com. And Rich Harvey's site is BoldVenturePress.com. The bumpy music for this week was Off the Cuff from the album Conversations in Blue by David Maxwell and Otis Spann. You can download it for free by going to Amazon.com. If you're a fan of the Fedora Chronicles radio show and you'd like to send a donation via PayPal, our account is the same as our contact. Info at the Chronicles.com. You can send us a buck or two with your comments at that address. That's also a great way to let us know if you have any ideas for a future radio show or clue us in on something you, you would like to share yourself. That address again is info at thefedorachronicles.com. Again, thanks for listening to this podcast, and I look forward to talking to all of you again soon. Until next time, this is Eric Render King Fisk reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. Mm-hmm.